This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, to another post-game edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fans. Stars lose 4-1 to to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And tonight we have a special guest, David Castillo. You can read his work at D Magazine. He's also at Starstack, which is a substack that you can subscribe to and support David. It's great to have him on a program. We've been working on this for a while. And uh, how are you, my friend? I, I'm, well, yeah, I was going to say doing good, but I was like, that was just my reptile brain. No, I'm doing awful because I just I hate when Dallas plays Toronto. So that's <laughs> the world. That's why I'm drinking a Coke at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, all right. So. He, he let's get into the let's get into tonight's game and i mean i walked away and i said you know i don't think the stars played bad but i think they got in a skills competition with a team and stars fans don't want to hear this but i'm on the toronto bandwagon this year i think they made a lot of improvements and i think they just got outskilled tonight and i think you know, when you when you break it down, it really was Toronto taking advantage of some miscues and Toronto limiting their miscues. So, I mean, that that was kind of what I think. And then, David, you know, man, I don't know where to start. I, you know, let's start with the power play. Um, that to me is just the bright lights are focused on this stars power play with a team with so much talent. And tonight you could just see the lack of spacing, seeing three guys go into the corner, going after a puck. It's just, uh, you know, there just didn't seem like any kind of rhythm. It doesn't seem like there can be any sustainability, in, you know, in the Leafs zone. It's just, it really has early season dysfunction written all over it. I, You know, honestly, there is really not, lot to add there because yeah it's, it's really just worst parts of the bible stuff it's it's sort of um it's it's the entries right the lack of entries um effective entries in this particular case the lack of clean passing 
Um, and and more than that, I mean, we, like we talked about the Philly game and and kind of oh the three shorthanded goals, which yes is absolutely awful. Sure. However, um, they've been giving up chances like they were giving up chances well before then. So there's this odd, uh, just kind of there's just odd like phenomenon of like not being able to create offensively and somehow giving up chances. And I realize like shorthanded goal scoring has kind of gone up over the years, but it really feels like just exponentially so, or exponentially so with Dallas, who is, uh, they were giving up chances against, against Anaheim, same thing happened tonight against Toronto. And I, um, I, I don't have a good explanation because these are super talented players and the power play has certainly clicked before. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when you're throwing out Mason Marchman on your second power play unit and with six on five, you know, towards the end of the game, you're throwing out Mason Marchman and Radic Foxa. Although I'll say at that point, they were two of your better skaters um, on, on the ice. This was, I, to me, this was Mason Marchman's best game. Um, would love to see this on a consistent level. I actually thought the fourth line of the Lions was the best tonight. I thought they put the most sustained pressure uh, on the Leafs. No, I, I think the, the other thing too is that what I would say about the, um, and I think that speaks to, although not perfect, the quality work that Jim Neal did during the offseason because I think, you know, really the story of the night was the line blender and kind of what DeBoer did uh, mix up all the lines. And, and yes, Marchment, Faxa, and Smith were great, but Smith with um, Johnston and Ben looked fantastic. And so I'm hoping, you know, the optimist in me, which is not usually something I'll say, <laughs> but the optimist in me just really felt like, oh, okay, yeah, this was like a bad game and a bad result. But I do think there were plenty of good signs, and most of that came from the fact that I think some of these combinations look like they have real potential, uh, especially Craig Smith. Uh, who just I thought was the yeah. best player tonight. Yeah, great pickup. Great pickup. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, we talked about this. Sean and I talk about this this star's depth, and I think how it's going to pay dividends even more as the season goes along as some injuries crop up. Um, that Leafs took it to the stars in the first period um, just to statistically uh, were better, and uh, I thought the stars really struggled to – kind of sustain any offense 73 percent face-off wins in the first for the Leafs um you know one of the things David I don't know I mean you could count on one hand the number of hits in this game this was like a this was just everyone just kind of playing their own game tonight you know it's what's interesting though is that I I feel like this is kind of um you know last year Dallas was very good at scoring goals in the first period but I don't know that anybody's ever kind of talked about well how effective they were in terms of possession in the first period, because the, the story of, the, of this game, as well as the rest of the season, or, you know, this limited amount of games that, that have been played at least, is the fact that Dallas has been slow to start. And normally yeah. I wouldn't like necessarily kind of read too much in just six games in, but this was what hurt them in the playoffs. They lost every game one, or they lost game one against Minnesota, then Seattle and then Vegas. And, um, and, and that's the kind of thing that I, I don't like seeing because I feel like, well, this is perhaps a function of um, a problem that's been underlying for longer than just six games, but also last season and the playoffs. Um, because for all the talk about Dallas as a uh, strong offensive team, 
I think that's different than calling them a strong goal scoring team, which they are. I, you know, at even strength, they've struggled at times, and that was true last year. And so I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing them kind of laid bare with the power play, not bailing them out for those like easy goals. Yeah, I, I think those are some great points. And for those that haven't followed David yet, please follow him analytically. I think one of the better in town, um, along with my partner, uh, Sean, throwing up statistics that really shows. And as hockey makes its way, you know, probably more than many sports now analytically, David does a good job pointing some things out. And I love um, reading your work. Uh, I, you know, I think it's 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 kind of interesting the Wedgwood decision tonight and you know scheduled maintenance for Jake Ottinger. So I don't know if Jake Ottinger would have made a difference. I think Wedgwood played well. Um, I think he made the saves that. But I wanted to get your thoughts because, you know, it's early in the season and I am definitely pro-maintenance and looking at this game, it appears as though Pete DeBoer made the right call. But at the same time, I just think you're going up against one of the better offensive squads and a team on a roll, you know, bright lights on the city of Dallas. Um, I just personally, and I understand it because of the time off in between, I think I would have went Ottinger tonight and Wedgwood against Columbus. I, I think that makes perfect sense. I, I think the only the, sort of the logic that I see in sort of DeBoer's slash Neal's decision is, you know, essentially that, well, regardless of kind of like who would have been the better starter, and of course, Ottinger is a better goalie, and, you know, it's kind of nice to have him up against competition that, you know, fingers crossed. Could see in the playoffs, um, which I would hate that final because Dallas never seems to be Toronto. But anyways, um, I think also like I think the benefit was Scott Wedgwood did have a questionable game against Philly, and you want your backup to yep. feel comfortable. So playing him in sort of this kind of high stakes game, give him a chance to bounce back and regain confidence, etc. I think it's fine. You know, it's again like. You want to see Ottinger up against like the best shooters in the NHL, and Toronto certainly provides that. But I think it's just as important for Wedgwood to to get those some of those critical starts, just to have that backup who has that confidence. If it ever does come to, you know, if if the situation ever arises where like oh, you know, Wedgwood needs to start the game because Ottinger is injured, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I thought Thomas Harley had his best game of the season um, tonight. I also. You know, it's not showing up as far as goals, but what a pickup Matt DeShane has been. I mean, just watching him play is a pleasure. I think he's a real nice fit on this team. You know, granted, the goal scoring hasn't been there yet, but, you know, certainly made a massive play and caused that first goal for Mason Marchman with a terrific pass and, you know, fighting along the boards to free up the puck. I just, you know, I, I'm really enjoying Matt DeShane as part of this team. I think, you know, the other thing too is like, I've long been a fan of sort of one of my favorite players growing up was probably Bure. So, oh, yeah. um, Duchesne kind of bringing that element of like speed and skating, I'm just kind of a natural sucker for. Um, but the other thing about Duchesne that, that I think you're right, like we haven't seen quite yet, but we, we certainly see it from shift to shift. But the thing I like about Duchesne that he provides that I would say that nobody else below the top line really does is a player that can just dominate a shift, can take over a shift. And Duchesne is definitely one of those guys. I mean, this is a player that 
it was really like kind of stuck as a second line, pigeonholed as a second line center, kind of by accident, you know, just kind of bouncing around team to team, Columbus, Ottawa, and, and then of course, you know, obviously in Colorado behind Nathan McKinnon, as it should. But I mean, he's graded out as a, you know, really proper first line center. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I'm, I don't, I think the issue with Duchesne is not Duchesne himself. It's that, well, they're still trying to figure out like who is going to go next to Sagan. And if not Sagan, what do we do? And so still trying to figure out that kind of non top line chemistry is I think what Duchesne kind of struggles with. Yeah. Stars give up their first shorthanded, I'm sorry, first power play goal of the season. (laughs) Not shorthanded. They've given up a few of those, but um, you know, this, this, this kill unit for the stars has really been impressive. And I thought they were impressive tonight too, going up against, um, you know, the Leafs. You know, one of the things that I saw tonight, David, that I thought was interesting, and I think this comes down to scouting, was the ability, especially early. And when you see something happening three, four, five times, especially, you know, within a period, you're like, wow, I think this is a game plan, is – you know, coming down the wing and curling in against these stars defensemen to put pressure on Wedgwood. Um, I think the Leafs really tried to exploit the uh, the size or the physicality of the stars team um, and got some nice opportunities in the first. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And I'm wondering if other teams uh, will try to do that against these uh, stars defensemen. It's, it's one of the, I mean, it's, one of the things that, that I think, you know, we've kind of we've talked about on the show is is just the fact that, you know, Dallas kind of, they, they have a really interesting, granted, this is about more than just the blue line, but the blue line is interesting insofar as, I, I don't think it's quite as weak as people sometimes kind of say, because, you know, they tend to highlight, you know, the sort of what they perceive as the weak links, you know, Ryan Sutter, Esselindel, who's, who's still trying to find his way, but, but they are a blue line that's not as mobile as you would think. And I, I think that lack of mobility is kind of also affected the offense and explains why they're not, they don't, they don't always look like the offensive team that we know they are. And so kind of really trying to attack them with speed is something that you're going to see pretty much all year. And they've done a great job so far. Um, but I, I, like I, to me, I think it's really a function of a good system. And that's where I give DeBoer and Nazarene credit for kind of how they've, sort of, you know, engineered, you know, this penalty kill that otherwise doesn't consist, other than high skinning, you know, doesn't really consist of of defenders that you think of as um, good with the puck, which I realize, you know, being good with the puck, not necessarily an essential component of the PK, but still pretty important. And that's why it was good to see Thomas Harley get on the PK tonight, because he's a guy that I think, you know, to me, talent still matters in the, in the defensive zone. And with his mobility and puck handling i think that's going to be essential and man if he can pk effectively i mean he's like your second number one guy in my yeah opinion. yeah yeah absolutely so the stars do not pick up points for the first time um this season losing four to one against a, a very good leafs team which is going to be interesting how they fare in the east which is always a crazy conference especially when it comes uh playoff time um, but they do look good early, and I think this was a really nice test for the Stars. To me, the second-best test um, of the season, Vegas being the first, and I think the Stars have fared well um, in both. 
Um, but the Leafs are playing really good tonight, especially, uh, David. Wow, if Joseph Wall can bring what he brought tonight, with especially in that second period where the Stars did have some sustained pressure, this is going to be a very dangerous Leafs team if they can get goaltending because defensively something that you wouldn't see previously in Leafs years is quality defensive play, you know, and holding that lead. And it's no longer for Leafs fans early in this year. Here we go again. No, and like I, so yes, but I'm not going to give too much credit just yet to Toronto. Um, even though I, I, I think, yes, they are. I think they're one of the elite teams and they'll always be one of those elite, uh, you know, regular season teams. The question for them is always, can they figure out the playoffs, right? It's like an old punchline. Um, but I do think that, you know, one of the things that, that I kind of that I wrote about last year was, and, and also something leading into this year was, you know, how sort of Dallas could be better at something you would think they were good at, but weren't. They were 16th last year in rush offense. So chances created off possessions with entry as they entered the zone. And, um, and I, I think that's something that they're still struggling with. I, you know, the fact that they can't really consistently enter the zone with speed outside of the top line is I think kind of affecting their ability to really attack the middle of the ice. And, and when they do, you know, it's just hints <laughs> being a madman, just beating, you know, five people all at once. But, um, but I, I do think that, you know, some of it is still these lingering issues with creating in this particular case, right. Um, uh, which well, they're, you know, cleaner breakouts, cleaner breakouts to yep. need to clean their transitions to the neutral to create cleaner and more consistent entries. And so I think that's always going to be something that they're not great at. And I think that's that can be fine. But if man, if they can improve that, that's going to be, to me at least, the key to making them a more consistent goal scoring team at even strength. And they kind of have that with Harley now behind Heisken and maybe Lundquist. You know, it's kind of weird because if you look at just the initial stats, four points in six games for Jason Robertson, but it just doesn't seem like he's been you know, seems like he's off to a slow start. I think mean, he'll he'll find his group. He's Robertson is is definitely the kind of player that has to really burn for his swag. I mean, he's he has to work hard. The effort has to be there, and of course, the talent's there. But it's it's not sort of um, he doesn't get to skip the B and C to get from A to D the way like an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid do. So. Um, so, and the other thing too is, of course, the power play, right? When that gets clicking, sure. chances are Robinson's going to be picking up points off of it. Yeah. Celebration of Joe Pavelski before the game tonight. Just a real nice video tribute with so many players, so many saying so many great things of how he's a great leader. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I was talking on the podcast the other day, David. I don't even want to say 39 year old Joe Pavelski because I think he deserves better than always. I, I you know, I never. When we're talking about Jason Robertson, I don't say 24-year-old Jason Robertson, especially when, you know, it's it's one thing if Pavelski's, you know, playing to average or above average, what he's doing and continues to do. You know, I was at dinner prior to the game talking to some people, and I just said, at what point is Jim Nill offer another one-year deal to Joe Pavelski? I mean, so, so answer me this, Gavin, which is, can, and this is no disrespect to these players, however, can you see hints doing at 39 years of age what Pavelski is doing? No. Can you see Robertson doing what Pavelski is doing at 39 years of age? Uh, more of a chance, but no. 
I mean, again, like we're not just talking about like a guy that, oh, well, he's he's just he's he's, you know, rekindled. He's found like he's found his legs again. He's like he's back in his 20. No, he's having like career years here. Yes. Um, So this isn't a guy that just, oh, he's like shooting hot or a product of a good line. This is a guy that's really sort of um, essential. And of course, we saw it, you know, last year when Dallas didn't have Pavelski, whether it was in the regular season or the playoffs. After the Dumba hit, just like how, um, and it's funny because you don't. I think that sort of, you know, especially since I talk a lot, a lot about sort of watching hockey and then trying to be kind of more discerning, watch it with a more discerning eye. Um, players like Pavelski, I think, are in, are really instructive. Him and Wyatt Johnston, for players that do really great things quietly, and so. Those are players that if you want to understand kind of, oh, well, what does it look like for a player to run the right route um, or be good positionally, watch those two. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, sorry. I didn't know if that was... No, yeah, keep going. uh, Oh, I thought you didn't know if you ended your sentence there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's... We can go on and on because we, like, I I think Pavelski is... I mean, it's like, I'm, you know, just... For me, it doesn't make sense. So it's hard for me to kind of really, it's hard for me to say with any certainty or even just confidence, yeah, this guy's going to be doing this um, until the end of the year. He's going to be doing this until the playoffs. And if Jim Mill decides to sign him to another sweetheart one-year deal, he's still going to be doing this. It's hard for me to really confidently say he can, but until proven otherwise, he's doing it. Yeah. What what did you think of the separation of the Ben Johnston Dadenoff line? <laughs> you know, I, I'm someone that has openly advocated for splitting up the Hints line. So to me, like this is just like small, small, you know, this is small beans. I mean, I I think it's fine, especially early in the season. And and I've always like my kind of modest criticism of that line is that. When you look at a lot of the quote-unquote analytics, you know, some of the kind of um, deeper stats, they're not a great defensive line. So I've never felt like they were um, a line that really needed to be together because even though I think they have great offensive chemistry, um, I think they're still like, it's a line where if if they are given up chances against, um, then does that justify giving them more minutes? And so if they're not, if they don't have, if they're not playing like a ton of minutes, if they're not playing you know, basically second line minutes, then uh, then I think you have, you know, move or you have cause to tinker with that line, especially with the depth Dallas has now. In past years when, you know, you were tinkering with like Michael Raffle and Blake Como, no. But with the depth they had, and for example, what Craig Smith showed, I think, yes, you can, especially early in the season, you can really roll the dice with, with the line blender, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, and plus, you want to develop chemistries with these players should injuries hit. So, so I was totally fine with it. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I'm fine with it as long as, 
you know, I, I think you're right. They play so much in practice with, you know, different lines. Um, you know, so I, I'm interested to see, you know, how it comes about. And we could see some more line shakeups, you know, in, in, in the near future. What are your thoughts on the defensive pairings? I mean, you know, I, we've, we've talked on the podcast that we have been impressed by Nils Lundqvist and uh, feel as though, you know, that offseason has really helped him. And uh, I thought he's played really well. I love the confidence that they're putting him on the second power play unit. So I think that's really good. Uh, my thoughts on Ryan Suter, David, or if he's your third pairing defenseman, I think you're in much better shape. But right now you don't have a first pair or a first person that you can put up, you know, with Miro. And uh, hopefully someday that's a Leon Bixel or somebody like that. So I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, the defensive pairings thus far. You know, I, I, I like I insofar as you cannot trade anybody and you can't move anybody out or bring anybody up. Yeah, I, I would say they're exactly what they need to be. Um, and I, I think for Lundqvist, um, I always found that this like I, I intended to kind of do some like video analysis of Lundqvist because I think it was really fascinating this last year where Lundqvist was a player. You always think of right. So when we think of like types of players, we tend to like bring our assumptions into those those stereotypes and we think of puck movers as agile and you know yeah they'll rack up points but you know usually they're they're quick and you know they have vision they can pass they can break out of the zone which we saw Klingberg doing Lundqvist wasn't that guy last year he was not I mean he has vision in the offensive zone he can make plays and he has a cannon of a shot but breaking out of the zone was always difficult for him last year and he's not a super fast guy so he didn't quite fit the profile of your typical puck mover. That's not to say I think he was bad, just that I could see how DeBoer kind of didn't quite trust how peculiar Lundqvist was as just kind of a unique player on his own. And I think, you know, what you're seeing this year, some of that that I would argue is night and day is that I think his breakouts are fantastic. Last year, you know, his sort of lack of, you know, I guess effective passing, you know, he's not like super fast and he's not even particularly agile. Like I would say he's a good skater, but he's not great, especially at any one thing. But I think this year you're seeing him break out with confidence. You're seeing him make quicker decisions with the puck. And and I would say even like his speed, like he, he looks like he has, you know, a faster first step in some respects. So I, I think what I've seen from Lundqvist has been great. And I also think he's been responsible too. Like this is not a guy who's given up chances, and that's been the joke so far this season, right? Which is that, man, Lindquist is making some really good defensive plays on the power play. Yeah, yeah, you're ab you're absolutely right. So, you know, one of the cool things about going to the games, and I love sitting in the crowd because, you know, I kind of get a feel. And, you know, credit to Leafs fans. Um, you know, they're loud, but in a very respectful way. Um, very nice. Had some great conversations with some Leafs fans tonight. Um, and then in between, you know, in the first intermission, uh, David, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, Matthew day. He's a spits and suds listener. He's the guy that gets in this, um, stars armor and okay. So he gets in, he makes these outfits himself and he wears hats. So, you know, he was nice enough uh, to come by, uh, with his girlfriend, him and his girlfriend met at a stars game through a Facebook group. And tonight, Matt Day attended his 1,044 Stars game. 
Isn't that that's just and, and and the reason I say that and the reason I want to highlight that on spits and suds is because, you know, when we take a step back and we look at ticket prices and dedication and the lean years and everything, um, you know, he was a hockey, he became a hockey fan. He was telling me tonight from the 1980 U.S. Olympic team and hockey wasn't, you know, he's a kid that grew up in Garland and hockey wasn't you know, big down here. You had the Dallas Blackhawks and, you know, minor league teams like that. But uh, I just wanted to highlight and, and say big stick, stick tap uh, to you, Matt, because, you know, 1,044 games, these teams do not exist without fans like you. And it's awesome, the gear, you you know. And here's the other cool thing, David, is he's telling <laughs> his girlfriend sits has seats season tickets in the lower bowl. He has season tickets in the upper bowl, but each of them refuses to give up their tickets. So they swap uh, occasionally. And it's just so fascinating. I'm telling. So it's kind of like a marriage in that, you know, where should we combine our bank accounts? And so I just wanted to throw that in. You know, I just think it, I think it's super cool. And, you know, I love hearing these stories, you know, from Spits and Suds listeners. And uh, also he you know, missed, I think one or two games, but that's because he was recovering from cancer. So, you know, big stick tap and, uh, you know, gotta, gotta, gotta love the barn and the uh, energy, although, you know, kind of a tough game tonight, David, to kind of generate that crowd energy. Uh, yeah. And by the way, a uh, stick tap to Matthew. Um, like I just want to kind of throw it out there because I, I do think that, um, even though you bring me on here to talk about like synthetic goals and Corsi four and blah blah blah, <laughs> it is <laughs> it is nice to kind of just focus on like the human stories because uh, that's cool. And also, I think it's it's representative of of Texas hockey because you, yeah, so many people get into this game that you would not expect, and that's part of what you know makes hockey awesome. Part of why I love it. Um, also, part of why you know we criticize people like Gary Bettman. But that's another story. <laughs> All right. So you know it's coming, David. When is Logan Stankoven coming up? You know, when is he going to be put on this power play? <laughs> but, you know, the, the problem is, so I, I've said this before, and I've made the case many, many, many a times at the Star Stack. Logan Stankoven is NHL ready. Now, yes. there is a, there. you could say that there's a difference between a player that's clearly NHL quality, NHL ready, and a player that has an NHL roster spot open for them. Now, of course, that's the issue, right? Which is that, well, Jim Neal is not going to just like forget his contracts that he signed this summer because if Stankoven's going to go anywhere, he's going to go on the right wing. Um, but let me just say, let me just, to me, Stankoven, what, what's going to make him a fan favorite is that you have a player who I think sort of, this is not a guy that just racks up points. This is not a guy that can just score goals. Uh, this is a player, and, and this is not just a five foot seven dude. Yes, he's five foot seven, but he plays like a power forward, and he's he has like you know wicked speed. So he's always all over the ice, and he plays responsibly. And to me, the thing that's always kind of bothered me about the Logan Stankov discussion in terms of like, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't know where he's going to go. I'm like, he plays the kind of game that would be perfect whether it's on line one or line four. And and so, especially on a team with this kind of depth, right? I mean, if you like the fourth line, if it's, you know, Marchman, Faxa, and Stankoven, I think that's probably going to be a really, really effective line 
regardless of, of what you think Stankoven's ceiling is. So if this were any other team, I would say Stankoven would have already been here. Um, but because Dallas is a cup contender, right, second best odds to win the cup, according to the athletics model, um, you know, even other mathematical models that have Dallas win the West, right, this is not, you know, Dallas is <laughs> to the national audience. They are the throne of power in the West. And, and I think, you know, when we talk about kind of like, oh, well, Dallas is struggling because, you know, they're figuring out team chemistry. I'm like, well, so is every other team. Every other team experiences turnover. I would say if there's a phenomenon that's kind of explaining some of their struggles um, is, is probably because, well, teams get up to play them. You know, if you're a bad team, you're going to try to be good. If you're a good team, you're going to want to be better. And, and, you know, maybe that's kind of some of what's influencing their, you know, kind of at times questionable performances. But I mean, um, I think the fact that Dallas is just so on such a high pedestal um, for yeah. now is the reason why it's just not going to happen. Like no matter what, I think they just want Texas Stars to be um, must-watch TV for prospect fans, and and just let's see how he does for a full season when Pavelski, unless they bring him back. But you know, theoretically, when Pavelski, Smith, and Shane are gone. Um, hey, we have someone that we know has a lot of a lot of experience, and then we'll bring him up. It sucks. I don't like it. I think he can contribute now, but it's just the reality of the business, and and it, that's such a boring way to analyze hockey. But I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. 